Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. We're seeing the effects of supply chain disruption all over the place, from the grocery store to the mall. But products we don't normally think about are feeling it too. For example, cover crop seeds. Andy Levine of the American Seed Trade Association says the seed industry is seeing the effects of supply chain disruption too. It's definitely the one thing that we're very fortunate of is we produce most of our seed right next to the farmers that are going to grow it the following year. So a lot of our seed in the row crop arena is produced here in the U.S. However, a lot of seed we also multiply around the world because of of uh, challenges here in the U.S. to produce it or uh, other marketing issues. There, there's a, a fair amount of our seed that we produce counter-seasonal or for risk management. And so in our corn, soybeans, uh, crops especially, we'll produce some of that, a small percent, in South America. And so we need to make sure we have the ability to move that seed back into the United States in February, March, to be able to distribute in case we have a disaster situation in the Midwest during our production year. And so we have to be concerned about that. We have to have the availability of containers to bring that in on ships. It's too expensive to put in the belly of a plane. So, again, fortunately, we produce a lot of the seed here right in the U.S., and it's close to where the farmer's going to plant it. So we weren't quite as impacted as as other um, inputs that rely on foreign imports. What do people need to know about seed trade? Well, really, the seed trade is the seed dealers that distribute seed to the farmers. They may license in traits into the varieties that they have in their local area. They distribute it during that uh, early uh, springtime so that farmers have that seed late March, April to put into the ground and so that they uh, can get it taken care of. They also provide the seed treatments on this seed. So if a farmer has specific requests that they want, they're the ones that that, uh, provide that to fill the order or the need that that farmer has. That's that relationship that the farmer has uh, with the seed dealer every year to plant that seed. What are you seeing that's in high demand right now as far as seeds? Things that are trending on the top of my head, I don't know, cover crops or pest management? Yeah, I I mean, the the traits are important. Having that ability to uh, fight pest and disease with the biotechnology traits in our row crops. Um, Also, we're seeing a big uptake in cover crop seeds. And so that availability of that mix, it's usually not just one type of or one variety of seeds, say cereal rye. It's also legumes or beets or other things that they want to put in that mix that's beneficial to the soil um, over the winter. So that's a lot of demand as well. But when you've got strong commodity prices, people are looking to plant as much as possible to, to cover that ground. So how do you make sure there's enough seed to go around? How do you produce seeds? Well, if people think about it, we produce seed at the same time somebody's producing their corn crop. And that's our seed crop. And it will then be harvested, conditioned, and distributed to the farmer the following crop year. And so we're estimating a year out at least of what that demand's going to be the following year. So it's a bit of a guess. You know, you have to see what the historical perspective is, what's the market demand domestically and globally, and then determine do we want to produce 5% more than last year, 10% more? Do we think it's going to be more soybeans or more cotton or more wheat? And so the the seed companies are constantly determining what that market's going to look like. Obviously, you don't want to produce a lot more because then you carry inventory. 
So you really want to make sure that you've got the varieties that growers need and want, and you, you've got good production during a, during this, this season. So you got to be careful on uh, disaster, drought, uh, too much rain, those kind of things impact what we do. Now, speaking of the weather, how has a changing climate impacted, or even just changing desires from consumers and farmers, impacted innovation happening in the seed industry? Well, what we've fortunately seen, a lot of the research that goes into production of seed um, in, in breeding of seed, we're seeing a lot more resiliency in the seed. Talking to farmers this year, uh, a lot of places in the northern uh, Corn Belt didn't get any rain after May 1st, or very little rain after May 1st, and still produced 30, 40, 50 bushel soybeans. Uh, a lot of the corn growers, the same way, they got really good um, returns given the weather this year. And that's all due to the resiliency of those varieties and the ability to adapt to drought conditions, or in some cases, too much rain. This year we saw it in drought, and, and uh, we continue to improve those varieties year after year in order to make them uh, that resilient. It's going to be tough. You know, we, we saw that this year. We saw it in Canada. We saw it in the, the northern plains. And um, we're going to continue to be stretched to, to make sure that we've got those varieties that will perform even in the worst situations. Yeah. Is it, I mean, you guys rely on uh, partnerships with commodity groups or universities or anything like that to? Well, uh, universities are key to us. They're, our land grants are the ones who do all the research, really do that bench science about genetics and what makes a, a plant uh, more adaptable to weather changes and conditions, but also yield and, and oil qualities and those other things that you look for. So we'll continue to work very, very closely, uh, I would say hand in glove with our land grant institutions and the research that they do. And then the farmers, they tell us every year, they evaluate how well are you performing, how well is, uh, you know, are you meeting what you told me I could do on my land with that variety you sold me. And that, your, that constant evaluation helps us keep that high level of good quality seed. Yeah. And you also want to protect that good quality of seed. I mean, what does intellectual property look like? How do you protect um, what you guys have developed? Well, the intellectual property is important. You know, it's, it's uh, upwards of $5 million, 5 to $8 million to develop a new variety and bring it to market. That's just the variety. That doesn't include the bio biotechnology traits that are in that variety. And so, you know, you've got a lot invested there. You go through hundreds of uh, selections before you pick one. And so there's a lot that goes into uh, finding that ideal uh, variety. You protect it with intellectual property, uh, and you want to make sure that you can continue to reinvest that seed the, for uh, future research. And so that's a key part of it. I mean, there's innovation there, and it's important that that innovation is protected so that we can continue to uh, produce new varieties into the future. And, you know, farmers, when they purchase seeds, you say it's certified seed dealers or you got to, you know, make sure what you're getting is, is right? Well, what we look for is professionally produced seed. It's got to have a, you want to look for a label. You want to understand what the label says as far as germination and off types and other things there for production because that's that seed company's guarantee that it will perform. And so you really want to make sure that when you're looking at seed and you're buying seed, you talk to that seed dealer and you say, okay, what's the label tell me and what are you guaranteeing me for my production this year? And that's the most important part because that seed company is going to stand behind what they sell the farmer. Well, then we're going to walk right into biosecurity. Uh, remember, Andy, when people were getting seeds in the mail unsolicited? Yeah, we do. Uh, you know, a lot of seed was coming from China. We really, we worked very closely with the U.S. Department of Agriculture on where that was coming from, what it meant. 
I was coming into this country most of the time in boxes marked jewelry, not seed. And we just tried to alert the consumers, farmers, and others that were getting the seed that make sure you know what you're planting. Where's it coming from? Who owns it? And is there a test on it? And those are the key things. Uh, and uh, what USDA found in working with all different parts of the government was that it was a marketing, fishing expedition. And there was on the label, there was a, an email address that you contact to talk to them, and they would hook you in. We did a lot of work with USDA getting the message out to both the agriculture community as well as consumers to say, hey, you know, this is not good stuff. Send it into USDA. Let them do an evaluation. Let them do a test. We found a lot of weed seed, a lot of other things that are not good to put in either your garden or into a, a, you know, your field. So you want to make sure that you know where your seed's coming from and you know that seed dealer. All right. Anything I'm not asking you, Andy, uh, in terms of uh, pertinent topics? Well, when we look at it, one of the most important things for seed is that ability to move seed globally. We, we, we need to bring, be able to bring in seed from parts of the world that we can breed with our varieties here in the U.S. and improve seed every year. So working closely with the U.S. Department of Agriculture and that, uh, the Customs and Border Protection to bring that seed in, make sure there's no uh, barriers to that, and be able to breed in that resiliency and other things that we look for in varieties. For America's farmers. And then what are you guys looking forward to? I hear a conference coming up or anything new in 2022? Well, we've got our corn and soybean and sorghum conference coming up in December in Chicago. We're looking forward to it. It's our first time for the seed industry to get back together after the COVID pandemic. And uh, it's that opportunity to see what new things are coming up after two years of being out of, out of, uh, uh, essentially out of a meeting. And so uh, that's going to be important. In 2022, we're still looking for policy drivers on uh, breeding methods like gene editing. What's the U.S. government going to say? How are they going to treat that? How do we make sure that we can bring innovation to the farmer and we're not handcuffed by, uh, by government regulations that really uh, stymie innovation? So a lot of things going on there with the new administration, and we, we continue to work very closely with them and the farmer community to make sure that we've got the newest, best-performing seeds on the market. Any concern that export concerns when it comes to like GMO seeds going to Europe or the EU? Yeah, we're, I mean, we're still concerned that Europe uh, doesn't have a, an expeditious process to approve the grain that's produced from certain GMO varieties. We're still behind on that. I would say our bigger concern right now is uh, some of the policies that are coming forth from Mexico on GMO uh, corn, especially, as well as glyphosate tolerant and glyphosate uh, residue. So we're working very closely with, uh, with the Biden administration, the trade representative and the USDA, to make sure that that is top of mind every time the president or Secretary Vilsack talks to Mexico to make sure that they, this can't happen. I mean, there's not enough conventional, seed, conventional grain in the world to supply what Mexico needs for their livestock. And that's kind of the direction that the current administration down there is going. We don't believe it's the right direction. I don't think our grower or, uh, organizations believe it's the right direction. And we're going to continue to stay on top of that. Again, that's Andy Levine, the president and CEO of the American Seed Trade Association. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff.